Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Tuesday, October 18th, and oh man, the waiver wire is pretty disgusting this week. It's not like, hey, there, there's no like even, can we debate, uh, you know, Kenneth Walker? <laughs> is that even really an ad? There's none of that this week. It's it's quite a bit of a mess. Here to help us hopefully clean up that mess, as he does every week, is the count of roster consolidation himself, <laughs> Mr. Andy Barons. Andy, the Skylar Thompson uh, fan club, how, how are we feeling at this point? Oh, yeah, that went well. I'm still actually I'm still recovering from the insults lobbed at me by Minty uh, during Fantasy Football Live. I've, I've broken down a few times in the, in the hours since uh, the mm-hmm. show, but I'll try to make it through. Not only is it a brutal week for pickups, it is a terrible bye week, right? Um, the Eagles are off. The Rams are off. The Bills are off. The Vikings are off. So that's that's five of the top 10 wide receivers on the season, plus Devontae Smith, who's like number 19, number 20, like it's terrible. It's bad. Um, so that hits at the absolute worst time because we have a, an absolutely disgusting collection of names to get through today. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty dusty out there. That's for sure. <laughs> but, um, you know, good timing because we actually have a lot of news to talk about off the top. So let's get right into that. I definitely said, I think I probably talked about it on the podcast last night. I know I wrote about it in an article that like, who the F is trading for Robbie Anderson when he has a big fat salary? He hasn't played that well um, in like a year and a half. He's actually really only had like maybe one and a half great-ish. I'll, I'll say very, not even great. Great is doing it too much. Very good-ish seasons throughout the course of his career. Oh, and by the way, he's like fighting with coaches on the sideline. Well, don't worry. The Arizona Cardinals will be the one to swoop in here and trade a sixth-round pick in 2024 and a seventh in 2025, which, I mean, you might as well have just sent the damn, like, bag of recycled glass for Robbie Anderson at that point. Uh, Give me a break here. 2024, 2025? 2025 that's not even a real year at this point okay anyways the Cardinals <laughs> trade for Robbie Anderson he will be playing for them as soon as I saw the news Andy I was like oh man Marquise Brown's you know injury must be pretty bad Scott and I talked about how they play this week uh, on Thursday that's a tough scene well Marquise Brown according to Adam Schefter suffered a potentially season-ending foot injury on Sunday um, he's undergoing further testing to determine the extent of the injury but you know that's not great our friend Edwin Porras from Fantasy Points pointed out that Hollywood Brown has a history of a Liz Frank which made him vulnerable to reoccurrence um, and it just is a bummer because Hollywood is having a great year um, they were just about to get DeAndre Hopkins back and, and that injury came on like a pointless heave at the end of the game so lot to unpack here and let's start with like Robbie Anderson actually going to the Cardinals and how much does this move the needle for you yeah you're you're so right it was first of all it was hilarious that there were even reports that Robbie Anderson was on the trade block because of course Robbie Anderson is on the trade block like you don't need to say it um guys like Robbie Anderson are always available for trade you come with any interest whatsoever for Robbie Anderson you can you can take him off our hands um and then like obviously he did he did himself no favors in terms of trade value by 
by literally getting into a shouting match with his own coaches on the sideline and getting kicked out of a game by his coaching staff. And yet, of course, uh, if there's a franchise that uh, is known for as much dysfunction as the Panthers, it would be the Cardinals. So they they came uh, they came knocking. Um, he's not a direct replacement for Hollywood Brown, obviously. And yeah. and man, Brown was having such a good year. Not that it was going to hold necessarily with DeAndre coming back, but he was on pace for like 120 catches, um, huge yardage total. He was seeing, you, you know, uh, target share was was fantastic. Again, that was about to change in week seven. I don't know how they fold in Robbie Anderson, you know, on a on a short week like this. I can't imagine if he's active, he's going to be active for much. You know, how many snaps can he really play? How many how many plays can he really seriously be a part of? Um, but down the road, second half of the season, he might have a little bit of value. Uh, Rondell Moore and DeAndre Hopkins are the are the guys who like are actually known to the team and to the quarterback. And I, I just. You know, this is such a bad waiver week that I've I I had to write up Robbie Anderson. I felt I felt you know kind of icky doing it because I'm I have very limited expectations for him. He's available in about ninety percent of Yahoo leagues, and certainly if you're in, I don't know, a sixteen teamer, you should be going after Robbie Anderson. But I would not. Nobody should be under the impression that Robbie Anderson can just slide into you know uh, Hollywood Brown's responsibilities and just do that because he happens to be fast himself. Yeah, I mean, not similar players at all, really. No. Um, you know, Anderson is like so, sort of a linear player. Like uh, he does run crossing routes really well, um, but that's not really like Hollywood Brown's game necessarily. Bra Brown is a really good zone coverage beater, and, you know, Anderson's never really been that good. As a I just think Anderson's kind of a bit of an overrated player, you know, generally. Um, I don't think he's that good, but I'm a, I guess I'm a little more bullish on – I mean, look, I don't like I, I, we'll talk about this trade here in just a second. Put that aside for for a little bit here because there's a lot to break down there. But um, I think from a fantasy standpoint, he does walk into a good bit of opportunity. Um, he's not going to be a direct replacement to Brown, but I think he's like raw. I think he's roster worthy in a 12 teamer even just just to kind of figure it out. Like so you would take Rondo Moore over Robbie Anderson rest of season then I gather. Yeah, I, I would. Um, he's he's not somebody who has to, you know, learn a new playbook on the fly. Um, he's not somebody that they have to blend into the offense. He's part of it. Um, he's been pretty good the last two weeks. He's a he's a weird receiver himself. Right. He's uh, and you've, yeah. you've talked about that extensively, but the volume has been there. I would expect the volume to continue to be there. I'm I'm just not sure how much it's reasonable to ask of Robbie Anderson at this point. So, sure, I would take. I would take more over him. It's not, but that's not to say that I think, I don't know, there's people out there that are still rostering like Bears receivers. There's people out there that are still, <laughs> I, I, like, I don't know, you, like you're in a 14 team league and you want to, you want to roster Robbie Anderson. Okay, I get it. Um, I, I just, I wouldn't have, I don't know. I have very limited expectations for this player. Maybe that's just the, maybe that's just the stink of Carolina's offense. That's still, <laughs> that's still on yeah. him. And maybe there's maybe, maybe he's a bit of a reclamation project. I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not overly enthusiastic about this. I would, I would definitely take the people who have already been part of the Arizona offense before I, before I reach for Anderson. Yeah. I'll have to think about it a little more I'm still, I can't look at Rondell Moore's 3.4 air yards per target and not like, <laughs> kind of grimace a little bit over the last two weeks it's trending um, up though wasn't it just wasn't it just two points it was like a week ago it was yeah. 2.3 the week before it was 4.4 to the this moon week, so we are here i mean maybe maybe to like <laughs> maybe to the clouds maybe uh, not quite all the way to the moon but we're getting close to the clouds here we're we're gonna we'll break um the atmosphere at some point we might get out of earth's <laughs> orbit eventually but um i i mean I think I got, I got, like I said, I got to think about it a little more because the volume has been there. Like if he's going to be that type of low air yards per target player, Rondell Moore, he does have to see great volume. Now that's going to yeah. change. Like over the last two weeks, 19 targets for Marquise Brown, 18 targets for Rondell Moore, 20 targets for Zach Ertz. I feel really, I actually like this whole Robbie Anderson situation, this whole Marquise Brown exiting situation does make me feel better about Zach Ertz, despite the fact that, yep. um, you know, our, our buddy DeAndre Hopkins is coming back. One end zone target for Rondo Moore, that's fine. Um, so yeah, I gotta think about it a little more. Pro I'm probably with you that if if push comes to shove, I'll take the guy who also is in his second year. Like Ander like I said, Anderson, not that good of a player, kind of limited. Like 
I thought when people were getting, you know, somebody came back to me yesterday when I was saying like, oh yeah, I bet teams are just lining up to trade for um, <laughs> Robbie Anderson as he's like, you know, yelling at his coaches on the sidelines. Somebody's like, hey man, look at, you know, if, if Deshaun Watson's told us that taught us anything, it's like, okay, well there's a difference between a team selling their soul for uh, a, a fran a potential franchise quarterback versus like maybe, maybe a decent wide receiver three. Like, I think that's the best we can hope for here, but yeah, it does at least make me feel slightly better about the Cardinals offense in totality that like they're not just going to lose the speed threat altogether. But I do just want to point this out, man. This is this is a pure desperation move by Cliff Kingsbury since they got since he got there in 2019. They have spent the following picks on wide receivers or just let's just go pass catchers. A sixth-round pick on Keyshawn Johnson in 2019. A fourth-round pick on Hakeem Butler in 2019. A second-round pick on Andy Isabella in 2019. Wow. A 2021 second-round pick on Rondale Moore. And a 2022 second-round pick, 55th overall, on Trey McBride, a tight end, despite signing Zach Ertz to a contract extension. We obviously know they make a big trade to get uh, DeAndre Hopkins during that span. We know they made a big trade to get... Uh, Marquise Brown in that span. It's like, hey, I don't think stock in the wide receiver room is the answer here. I mean, maybe if they had actually picked <laughs> some good players in, at any point in 2019, that would have helped. But man, I just, this, this just like I said, reeks of pure desperation by a team that I think is circling the drain here a little bit. And, and, and not good vibes there on the Arizona you got, card. You got me angry about that Trey McBride landing spot all over again. I thought I'd fully process that and, for, and totally forgotten it. But um, that's brutal that he landed there behind Zach. Zach Ertz, obviously a good player, a volume player. But McBride is good. And it's a slow developing position. And this is probably fine. But he was somebody who in the right landing spot definitely could have found value. Yeah, it, it really is a bummer. Um, thoughts from the Carolina. By the way, one more thing on the, on the Cardinals. Sources say, according to Ian Rapport, that um, the fear is that Justin Pugh, also a starting offensive lineman, suffered a season-ending injury. So, like I said, Cardinals just kind of circling the drain here. Um, just tough scene for Arizona overall. Any thoughts on the Panthers' side of this? Like, I, Andy, by the way, is, uh, is is laughing on the other end of the podcast. <laughs> like it's pretty, here, so. <laughs> seems pretty hopeless. Like, there's nobody... You know, it's not like Robbie Anderson was doing enough with Carolina that we can be like, oh, man, where where's all that volume going to go? There was there wasn't any volume there. There wasn't any production there. They literally didn't complete a pass to a wide receiver this past week other than DJ Moore, who I believe finished with like three for seven yards. It is an absolutely bankrupt offensive environment outside of McCaffrey. Like, it's just McCaffrey. Um, you're in a 10-team league and you want to drop DJ Moore, you probably should have done it a week ago. I don't know. He's got no yeah. value. Yeah, I agree with you, man. It's unfortunate um, be because, you know, Robbie Anderson, <sighs> I, I guess we're going to see more of Terrace Marshall. That's probably not going to be a good thing. I, You know, Marshall had one of the worst rookie seasons out there in terms of like yeah. a reception perception standpoint. You know, LaVisca Chenault, I guess we'll see more of that guy. But, you know, I don't have any hope for any of these players. Like, P.J. Walker literally averaged negative air yards per target. Like even that makes Rondale more blush even a little bit when you see PJ Walker's <laughs> air yards per per attempt. Like we we really need DJ Moore to land somewhere else. Like he's the Panthers well, receiver that needs yeah. to get dealt, and it's it's almost certainly not happening. And then the places that you know you can imagine are not great landing spots necessarily, right? Or it's better if he's with the Giants, but how good is that really? I I don't know. There's no there's no great answer here. There is no great answer here. There's no hope here either uh one more thing on fast receivers just because i'm seeing this right now according to his agent drew rosenhaus uh deshaun jackson is scheduled to visit the ravens on tuesday that i mean he's, he's 36 years old jackson did confirm this past week that he wants to continue playing don't be rushing out there to pick up deshaun jackson everybody just because it's the waiver podcast but that is at least mildly interesting and it feels like the right thing for you know Deshaun Jackson to end up with Lamar Jackson and yes you know, it, like he, how has he not been a Raven at some point in his career like <laughs> all of the guy, all of the like veteran receivers the Ravens have cycled through throughout their throughout the like the past decade how has Deshaun Jackson not landed there at least once that does feel like something they actually need though I mean 
Lamar Jackson desperate. I mean, they desperately need Rashad Bateman back. I saw this from Rich Rebar this morning. Um, Lamar against the Bliss in weeks one through three. 83.3% completion rate, 12 yards per attempt, six touchdowns, zero interceptions. The last three weeks when they've been playing with like Demarcus Robinson, Devin DuVernay, and Tylen Wallace and not Rashad Bateman for the most part because Bateman got hurt in the middle of that week four game. 50% completion rate, 4.8 yards per attempt, two TDs, two interceptions. So I'm not going to say that Deshaun Jackson is going to be a fantasy factor, but he could. I do think he can still help a team. Like there were moments when he helped yeah. the Raiders last year. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, you know, he struck me his entire career as a guy that like every season there's a rookie that we comp to Deshaun Jackson and there's just never been another guy who's really been like Deshaun Jackson, right? Like I, I'm, I'm struggling to even come up with another player that gets comped as often and has as few real life yeah, comps. No. Like he's still somebody that has to be accounted for. All right. Next piece of news item here. Carson Wentz is facing a recovery of roughly four to six weeks according to Ian Rapport and Michael Garofolo of the NFL Network. Injured reserve is a consideration. He's uh, currently in L.A. meeting with a hand specialist because of his fractured ring finger. Um, Garofolo said it'll be Taylor Heineke for the Commanders with these next four games on deck. Versus the Packers at Colts, versus Vikings at Eagles. ODU's finest, Taylor Heineke, is back in our lives. I think we could see Sam Howell at some point, but, I mean, Sam Howell is a fourth-round rookie. They've won with Heineke in the past, even if yeah. you know, he's obviously a very flawed player. So, Andy, what's your reaction to to this one? Because there's a lot of guys in this offense that we obviously care about for fans. Yeah, Wentz, Wentz was such a roller coaster that I don't, I don't know that it's a huge downgrade for anybody. I don't want to pretend there. Um, I think Heineke is mildly interesting in the deepest of leagues, certainly in any sort of super flex league. You have to grab him. He actually rushed for over 300 yards last year. Like there's a little bit of rushing upside here. Um, again, I don't, I don't think it's a huge downgrade from Wentz. He'll, he'll disappoint in a different way than Carson Wentz disappoints is I guess how I, how I think of it. Um, but he's not, you know, he's not an answer, but can he, can he still support some viable pass catchers? Yeah, sure. That's definitely in play. So I not a, not a huge downgrade for anyone, which is not to say that commanders receivers aren't, uh, worrisome right now. I, understand why the commanders talked themselves into Wentz. I mean, Ron Rivera, we haven't <laughs> talked about the Thursday night game because there's not a lot to say there from that Thursday night game, but Brutal. there was a lot of stuff that happened after the game, right? Like Ron Rivera getting super upset at in the, I mean, fiery in that press conference, like saying, you know, it was ridiculous to, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> I do like how he said, I looked at the analytics uh, about Carson Wentz and decided like he was our guy, you know, in a much more, again, fiery way, but he went out of his way to sort of say, like, this is the guy I wanted to bring in. I understand why they wanted a player with the physical ability of Carson Wentz over a guy like with the physical ability of Taylor Heineke. But to defend uh, my guy, ODU's finest here for a second, like <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try at least um, th this this offense now versus what it was last year from a player standpoint, like could not be any more different. You know, I said many times last year it was like. Terry McLaurin and the preseason boys last year. Um, they've got Curtis Samuel, who didn't have the greatest game on Thursday night, but has been a really good player for them throughout the course of the season, is a very good player overall. They should get Jahan Dotson back in the next, if not this week, the next week, whatever. You know, I think Heineke can operate this offense a little bit better. And certainly for Terry McLaurin, they were just, I think, because of Wentz's skill set, using McLaurin so far down the field as like exclusively a deep threat. I mean, they ain't doing that with Taylor Heineke because he cannot yeah. push the ball downfield. So I actually don't think I think this is actually a pretty decent buy low opportunity for Terry McLaurin because we've seen it's not great. It's not the best it could be. It wasn't going to be the best it could be with Carson Wentz either. But we've at least seen what McLaurin life is like with Taylor Heineke before. No, it's a it's a really good call. Uh, I like that you mentioned the the Rivera press conference, which which still felt like him just sort of trying to climb out of the hole that he dug himself sure. with the comments about the quarterback position <laughs> like early in the week. Right. But a real a really weird note to go out on uh, in a press conference after a win. Um, it is that is a well thought out opinion on Terry McLaurin. And you can tell that you are someone who probably has a lot of Terry McLaurin shares. Uh, and, the, <laughs> and you, well, it's too late. It's too late for those teams. <laughs> Nothing to do about those. <laughs> and you've needed to talk yourself, uh, into, into this being somehow, uh, beneficial to McLaurin, but I, but I can see it. I definitely can see it. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know that it's going to be beneficial, like I said, but it, it wouldn't be, it's not the worst thing in the world that can happen. And, you know, unfortunately, like this is just the cycle that we're in with, with Terry McLaurin. Well, we're, we're trying to justify like, oh, this is maybe not the, like, this is kind of actually good news. And I don't really know how we get out of that cycle with Terry McLaurin at this point, unless Washington somehow, I don't I mean, I don't know where the rest of their season is going to go, but I, again, I understand for folks out there who are like, why not Sam Howell? Why not Sam Howell? This team and this obviously this coach does not believe that this team is cooked, that it's done. And it's like time to yeah. get a look at the future. Um, if you could take anything from Ron Rivera saying that he's the effing guy, um, that, that that's where we're at at this point. So yeah, I, I think that, Tough, They'll try tough to win message a to a team if you do that in October, right? Like it's a yeah, it's a bit yeah. early to just to just you know draw the curtain on the season and say okay we're playing young guys and kind of sort of trying to lose. Yeah, and like this schedule is not full of cupcakes either, like Packers, Colts, Vikings, Eagles. So there is certainly a chance that we see Sam Howell at halftime of one of these games or something like that. Yeah. But to go out right out there with a guy that has never played at the NFL before. Like, think what you want about Heineke. I've been hard on Heineke in terms of how he limits an offense because he just has no vertical passing ability. They, Like I said, they've won games with him. I understand why. And this is probably better news than, you know, it could have been for a guy like Brian Robinson who looks like he's the clear-cut starting RB here. So, yeah, for me, I think that, like, that's just where we're at with the, with the Washington Commanders. Last piece of news here before we go into Sunday Night Football – Rams left tackle Joe Noteboom tore his Achilles tendon on Sunday and will be out for the season. The Rams are going into their bye week. That's nice. They need to get healthy, but now this is this is one of their established guys who I think is he's played the entire season, Joe Noteboom, although he's had some injury flare-ups here and there as well. Now he's he's out for the rest of the season. It's just this unit's not getting any better anytime soon. No, and it was it was a clear weakness, right? Um, that gets a whole lot worse through this news. Um, this this is bad for everyone. Um, <laughs> there's no, you know, there, there's no. Uh, there, this is just terrible. This is absolutely terrible news. Like they couldn't keep uh, Matt Stafford clean. Um, they couldn't, you know, they weren't they weren't really opening a lot of holes for the run game as it was, and, and this just all gets worse. Yeah, all gets worse. Uh, we'll talk Rams, uh, obviously, after their bye week as well. All right, Sunday Night Football, Eagles 26, Cowboys 17. We could talk about the Eagles here in a second, but just on the Cowboys, man, this certainly felt like a, this game was coming at some point. You know, this is Cooper Rush's stretch is exactly what you want out of a backup quarterback. He revealed to you some some of the strengths of the team overall. Like, hey, they can still run the ball really well, even if everybody has their complaints about Zeke. They can still run the ball pretty well when they want to. They can lean on that. Their defense can be the the identity of the team. And they have some more talent on the offensive roster than you probably thought coming into the year with a guy like Noah Brown stepping up, you know, CeeDee Lamb handling a boatload of targets. And also, like, I, this is something I hope they keep doing in the Dak Prescott era once he gets back there are like some easy buttons that they were pressing with Cooper rush, you know, like there are more screens, there's more play action. There's yeah. more just layup targets and, you know, not having like the hardest offense possible just because Dak Prescott can handle a really difficult pre-snap offense. I hope they keep some of that around, but like eventually with a backup quarterback, you run out of time. And I felt like this was a team watching them last night that had run out of time with their backup quarterback. Yeah, if anybody was going to try to force a Cooper Rush versus Dak Prescott uh, conversation on us, I'm not sure that they were. But if they were, that's that's totally out the window. It's actually a it's a loss where I wouldn't feel terrible as a Cowboys fan. Right. Um, so it's still a competitive game. The defense still has, you know, just an absolute game wrecker in Micah Parsons. He was phenomenal. Um, there's just a lot of reasons to feel pretty good about the about the Cowboys roster. And to to your point about the run game, you know, I, I know it's so common for for fantasy uh, analysts to say that Zeke is dust and that they have to transition to Tony Pollard and all that. And Pollard certainly has a lot of juice. Um, Zeke. Zeke, I don't think Zeke is done. Like this is, I don't know. Every every time I see Zeke in a primetime spot, he looks he looks fine to me. Like he had some really nice runs between the tackles. He's not he's not rushing title Zeke anymore. He's not like yeah. rookie year, second year Zeke anymore. But and he's uh, you know, listen, he's not you know a running back who is necessarily at this exact moment um, gonna gonna fully earn his contract, but he earned it in the past, and he, like he's playing fine. He's not a problem. 
And I don't know that Tony Pollard is somebody who would hold up to 28 touches a game or whatever the fantasy community wants to give him. Right. Like, I, I think I think if your biggest problem with the Cowboys is that Zeke Elliott gets 15 to 20 touches. I don't know. That's that's sort of misplaced energy. It's going to happen. They're paying him that way. The uh, the owner of the team is super into Zeke Elliott and he's not he's not cooked yet. I completely agree with you. I mean, th- it's sort of um, usually with these guys, there's a reason that we that they don't give them that sort of touch load. Like, a, you know, sometimes obviously it's just a it's a misfire from the coaching staff. Like for years, the the Chiefs with Jamal Charles, they would have, yeah. you know, some like whatever was left of Thomas Jones, like running ahead of Jamal Charles. But, um, you know, I don't think Tony Pollard is the next Jamal Charles, right? One of the most efficient runners of, of our era. I don't think that's necessarily what we got here. I think they've pretty much like they've gotten the best out of both players during this stretch. And and there yeah. probably will be no situation where Zeke is just completely pushed to the side. Cause like you said, last night he's got good, like gr- he's a good, he's a better grinder. I think than um, than Tony Pollard is at this point. And that sort of fits the identity of this team, which I think is a defensive first team. Uh, that is very apparent. There's no way that Tony Pollard is having those like between the tackle type of runs. Um, and it is just funny. Anytime, anytime we get a primetime spot, like Twitter will erupt the moment that Tony Pollard does something awesome. But like, oh, there's a good play from Zeke. Nobody cares. Nobody. Total silence. Yeah, absolute silence when Zeke does anything. And there was just there were a number of runs last night where like somebody's hitting Zeke or touching Zeke at the line of scrimmage and he's still getting four yards on the play. That's. You know, that that doesn't look like anything spectacular, but it's pretty valuable. And there are there are plenty of running backs in the league right now who are not doing that. Like talk to a Steelers fan about what happens when Najee Harris is met at the line of scrimmage or a Bengals fan about what is happening lately when Joe Mixon is met at the line of scrimmage. Right. Like, I I don't know. Zeke is getting tough yards and that's valuable. Yeah. um, Mike McCarthy had a a, a couple of quotes. I think it was last week or, or heading into a couple of weeks ago where he basically said, like, that made it sound that he had taken more of like an ownership over the team and that the identity, like what the identity was going to be from like the defensive first perspective. And then how Kellen Moore needed to adjust with that. Um, I know that like, it's very easy to rip on Mike McCarthy and I've certainly done it. We've all done it, but I think I'm hoping that that identity continues because this type of team, the way we've seen it with, again, CeeDee Lamb, double-digit targets here again. You know, the the running game looking pretty good. Like some of these other guys, Sprinkle and Noah Brown, Sprinkle and Michael Gallup. That's what this team kind of needs to be when Dak gets back. So it's like, okay, the version of the Cowboys we've seen with Cooper Rush, good for fantasy. Now let's just get like a better quarterback, and Dak yep. Prescott is certainly a better quarterback. I think that's what we're looking for. Uh, Prescott, after the game, said he's planning to return in week seven against the Lions. That would be a wonderful matchup for him to to return to. Um, let's talk about the ego side of this, man. Andy, I am just so upset at myself um, for, you know, having – oh, my God. Like, there, I think – I'm not sure – like what the final vote count was, what the final ballot looked like, whether I had DJ Moore at wide receiver 12 or AJ Brown at wide receiver 13, <laughs> but I flip flop, I flip flop those two guys in that spot a ton. Right. And it's, I am furious at myself. I mean, pray, <laughs> praying for forgiveness at wide receiver church. Like how many prayers for forgiveness can I put up there? Oh, by the way, I need about 50 more prayers for for burying Devontae Smith. I know these yeah. guys didn't have like the greatest game or anything, but they both scored touchdowns that both of their plays were like gotta have it, make life easier for our quarterback Jalen Hurts. And I am just so mad at myself for not using my imagination more. Cause I would say it, I would make the case for it, but then my rankings never reflected it. And therefore, um, you know, none of my teams have AJ Brown on it. Never then none of my teams have Devontae Smith on it, despite the fact like I know those guys are stone cold ballers. I just never allowed myself to be imaginative enough to get them in drafts that Jalen Hurts could take a step forward, that this offense could be different than what it was last year. Man, when Hurts is playing this well and passing this well, like you, you think about the, the, the scoring play to Devontae Smith, what the hell is the defense supposed to do, right? You either like sink and, and try to check Devontae Smith and allow a walk-in touchdown to Jalen Hurts, basically a walk-in touchdown because he's so damn good, like... They just they just put you in some pretty unsolvable problems when they when they get the numbers right. You know, um, that was just such a good play. It was such a great drive. 
This is a, this is a really good team. Um, and yeah. Kurtz didn't even have like a particularly great game. Uh, you know, he didn't he didn't explode necessarily as a rusher, but they get enough done against again a really good Dallas defense. Like I'm I'm ready to see this rematch again. Uh, both receivers super impressive on relatively low volume. Uh, you're you're so right about the. I'm, I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think now of exactly where I had DJ Moore. I don't know if I had him 13, 14 in the receiver ranks, wherever it was. It was obviously a huge misfire. And uh, to your point about Devonte Smith, I had I had buried him as well. I just and that's that that was probably me not believing in. It was surely me not believing enough in Jalen Hurts as a passer. I just couldn't convince myself that this offense was going to support three guys, you know, because you have to roll in Dallas Goddard there too, right? This was supposed to support, they were supposed to support both AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and Goddard. Like that just seemed, I don't know, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And Smith was the guy that I ended up burying, not entirely burying, but at least as a wide receiver three. And he's clearly outperforming that. I think he's the wide receiver 19 or 20 right now. Yeah. Um, and it's just it, it's so great when uh, a team is just so concentrated between these three guys, you know, like all of them run around on at yeah. least 90 percent of the dropbacks last night. Um, 38 percent of the targets last night go to A.J. Brown. Twenty three point eight percent go to Devontae Smith. Twenty three point eight percent goes to Dallas Goddard. Like nobody else is above five percent. Like that's yep. exactly what you want in a fantasy offense. Good quarterback play, good supporting cast and a concentrated set of volume like. I just so I so regret uh, not being more imaginative with how good this offense could be and how good it could be for fantasy. And even Miles Sanders, by the way, like I, I know I say this all the time, but that guy told us not to draft him. He was as wrong as all of us that didn't draft him <laughs> because he's been he's been great uh, for fantasy. 18 carries against the Cowboys. He scores a touchdown. Um, he has been one of the clear cut right answers in a in a dead zone group of running backs that you yeah. know has plenty of hits, has plenty of misses. Sanders has been one of the hits. Yeah, he absolutely has been. You're you're so right about the the sort of narrow usage tree here. It's like it's like the way Atlanta used to be with like Julio and Roddy White yeah. and Tony Gonzalez and absolutely no one else involved, right? Except you also have this fantastic dual threat quarterback, Jalen Hurts, another guy who's been one of the right answers this season. Yeah, like I compare we're gonna talk about the Jets later and like compared to how spread out and low volume that group is, it's just absolutely killer for fantasy. Yep. So it's great to see the Eagles on the other end of that. All right, Andy and I are gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna run through a bunch of dusty options on the waiver wire. <laughs> Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The old man and the three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Andy, let's get it started with running back. Um, Kenyon Drake leads the group. Um, <laughs> great. And like really leads the group, like coming off. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to use I don't want to use adjectives that are that are too uh, uh, flowery here, or too rosy, because it's still just Kenyon Drake. But he's got a great matchup coming up against against Cleveland. Uh, went over 100 yards, super efficient, broke off a long run. I don't know that he was touched on the long run. So I'm not I don't I don't want to say that it was just like a highlight real performance. I don't mean to say that. But uh, we know that Baltimore is a pretty run committed team generally. And J.K. Dobbins like had to sort of go on the shelf in this game. This is two weeks in a row in which Drake has actually outsnapped Dobbins. Uh, there were reports uh, after the game, not not just reports that came straight from the coaches that uh, uh, Dobbins, I believe the wording was that his knee had tightened up on him. Um, any sort of discomfort in the knee for J.K. Dobbins, not a great sign, obviously. And they got a lot out of Kenyon Drake, who every roster he shows up on uh, coaching staffs are are very committed to Kenyon Drake. So they're clearly going to keep playing him again, except except the Raiders who pay who right. are the one to actually pay him a bunch of money. <laughs> Right, right. They've got Cleveland coming up. Um, Ramondre just had a day against Cleveland. Everybody's had a day against Cleveland all year. Basically, they entered they entered week six allowing over five yards per carry. Um, it is a very friendly matchup. So I'm not going to be that surprised if Kenyon Drake gives us 
70 yards and another touchdown. I don't think he's going to be an answer for fantasy managers throughout the season, but as a, as a bi-week placeholder, I think he's of moderate interest. Yep. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I just think that with JK Dobbins, like we talked about it with Scott last night, it, you are going to be at risk now that he has that type of like, Oh shoot, he's done for the rest of the the rest yeah. of the day or you know at any moment and drake seems to be the biggest beneficiary i will mention gus edwards name though he should be coming back here in a couple of weeks um if not maybe this week who knows he, he at least uh looks like he's trending the right direction gus edwards is a good player man like he might be a better yeah. running back right now than Kenyon drake is so at least keep uh him i think he would probably fit in like our getting in early type of guys because yeah I, it's, it's based on the sort of Based on 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 the the lack of potency in the Ravens' run game, it's probably um and and the way that it's taking him forever to you know get back um in the mix here uh you know with uh with Gus Edwards, it's probably not um like I it's probably unlikely, but I wouldn't be surprised like oh wow Gus Edwards is active and they just give him like twenty carries and he looks really good. I, I wouldn't For be sure. totally surprised, but but at least keep that in the in the back of your mind. Um, other options at running back on the waiver wire, Andy. Yeah, I suppose that we have to talk about Deion Jackson just because he had such a great game, caught all of his targets, caught a million targets in that thing, um, yeah. looked really good. Did check out with a with a quad injury from which he did not return, but then later tweeted that he was all good, so he's probably fine moving forward. The obvious problem here is that he is not going to play ahead of Jonathan Taylor. He's probably not going to play ahead of Naheem Hines. Um, he's really somebody who moving forward is going to have sort of contingent value based on just when they can get back and whether they can get back to full strength. It's got Tennessee coming up. It's not a perfect matchup, but he's just looked really good the last two weeks in a row. And people are going to be interested in him, understandably so, because, again, it's such a bleak week in terms of uh, uh, waiver talent out there. And he's this is two weeks in a row that he's been good. Like, I thought he was plainly better than Philip Lindsay in the Thursday night oh, game. Yeah. And then he sort of consolidated power uh, this past week. Um, just a just a really nice effort from him. Um, we should note that Caleb Huntley actually outcarried uh, Tyler Algier. Didn't out snap him. And he's he's also a pretty limited guy, right? He's like he's like a power option. He's a north south guy. He's probably not somebody they're going to throw to very often. But Atlanta wants to run the ball. They run it well. And Caleb Hunt, Huntley is still good, clearly a big part of the uh, big part of the answer. He was it was funny. Um, he he ran the ball almost every time he was in the game. I want to say that he played 20 snaps and had 16 carries, right? So Huntley on the field is a pretty big tell in terms of what what is about to happen. Um, yeah. But it and it it worked moderately well. Uh, but this is I don't know. These are the options, people. I can't I can't do any better for you at running back. So Huntley was interesting. <laughs> probably not any sort of factor in PPR. I should I also want to mention that we are recording this before the Denver Chargers game where it feels like something's going to pop, right? Like we're we're going to learn something important about the Broncos backfield and it's going to be evident to everyone, right? I don't know as of this moment exactly how involved Latavius Murray is going to be. Um, I don't know exactly how involved Mike Boone is going to be, but he looked really good in the Thursday nighter. Uh, and Melvin Gordon has some obvious problems attached to him. So there's an opportunity for one of the Denver backs to make some noise. And I think we also need to mention that Joshua Kelly has uh, a pretty interesting and I can't, you know, I can't say anything that like you and his teammate, Austin Eckler, haven't already said about him. He's just <laughs> he's clearly got standalone value. He's he's clearly made a little bit of a leap as a player. He's the obvious number two there behind Austin. Um, and, and and he's not just somebody who has contingent value, right? Like he's he's probably going to see eight to 12 touches in a normal week, which is going to be flex worthy as we get into some nasty buys. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you mentioned with with Josh Kelly, we we talked about it a lot with Austin. He had some some good things to say, and even still, he's still only rostered in eighteen percent of leagues as Josh Kelly. I mean, we're you're talking about these guys, Deion Jackson, Caleb Huntley, who probably don't have a ton of value going forward. Like Josh Kelly, if you've got to throw him out there during a bye week, and I hate to say this because they're playing tonight, I know, like I'm, I'm cursing yeah. everything here, yeah. but. Yeah, I take my risk here. Uh, you know, if you you have to throw him out there like during a bye week, you've at least got a a, a prayer that he gets into the end zone. So yes, um, I agree that he, those backs need to be rostered 100. Uh, percent I mean, there's so many guys we yap about like as stashes, and it's funny, Andy. Like, you know, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna save that till the I'll, I'll save that till the getting in early section. So we'll we'll keep moving here at wide receiver, wide receiver, Andy. Um, we've got some rookies here to talk about. Alec Pierce, who caught the who. 
you know, kind of had his day saved by the game-winning touchdown, but it was like a classic Alec Pierce play. Uh, he's been so, so good, um, especially in contested situations. He was very good in a contested situation to win the game for the Colts uh, on Sunday. Got Wandale Robinson, who popped in for a touchdown. Good on you for ca for calling him uh, out as a sleeper of, if you were disgusting enough, uh, broken enough as a human being to want to play a Giants receiver. Um, and Tyquan Thornton has popped um, routinely for the Patriots here the last couple of weeks since he's been activated. Yeah, Tyquan was pretty exciting. Um, didn't didn't actually see a ton of targets, but um, scored both as a as a rusher and a receiver. It, you know, the the Browns were put, like absolutely pathetic in that game. So uh, a huge hat tip to the opposing defense in that one. Um, but Thornton has some speed, right? Like he was a um, his high school sprint times are pretty legit. I think he was a 10 six guy in the hundred. Like he's fast. Um, he is. Uh, he's pretty fun. I don't know that New England moving forward is going to, you know, obviously Jacoby Myers is the receiver that we want in almost any kind of scoring format. You know, you're in a you're in a deeper league, though. I think Tyquan Thornton, uh, fairly interesting. Wandale, super interesting to me because he was such a sensational college player. Um, just really, really fun. 100 catches in his final season at Kentucky. Um, really just like live wire quick. And he he barely played, but like the snaps were memorable. Right. He, I think he only played 15 snaps in that game, um, but caught a short touchdown. Looked really good, to, like fun play design. He is, and there, like I should not even have to make the argument that there are targets there for the taking in New York, right? Because the receiving core no. is just so dreadful. So if he if he illustrates that he's healthy um, and, and he can really be a difference maker, he is going to play a lot more. And as for as for Pierce, I like. He got a he got a big bump in terms of roster percentage uh, week over week, but he's still sort of frustratingly eligible for this conversation. Right. He's he's below 40 percent rostered. And this is now I mean, I, I, I know it's difficult to like wrap your mind around. Like, do I really want to go out of my way to 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 find new opportunities to invest in the Colts offense? I don't know. Those are four weeks in a row that he's that he's made some fantasy noise, that he's been a totally startable player. Ryan has already been taking deep shots to him. Like that's not new. Yeah. We've seen that. We've seen that throughout the season. He is you and I talked about it before. He is by NFL standards, an elite athlete, like among NFL players. He's, he's phenomenal. He's got a 40 inch vertical. He's tall. He's got four, four speed. Like he's got all the athletic attributes that you could possibly want. He should win contested catches with that, with that sort of combination of traits. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of all in on him. I've, I've got him every place that he was available and we're again, we're, we're into a bye week now where five of the top 10 fantasy wide receivers are out and like six of the top 20, like your, your Eagles are not with us this week. Justin Jefferson, not with us this week. No Cooper cup. No, like this is a hard one. And, um, he's been a, he's been a, a reliable player for the last four weeks. And maybe the Colts just settle into throwing the ball 45 plus times a game, in which case he's going to see, you know, eight targets a week. Uh, it's a, he's just a really talented player. I mean, that's what I was going to ask you. Cause I wanted to get your opinion about the, the Colts and the way they kind of changed last week. I ran through the no huddle, uh, you know, plays and all that stuff with uh, with Scott last night like the the way they changed that offense from that degree they made a little bit of a tweak on the offensive line with Matt Pryor at guard um, but you've got you know Deion Jackson in the running back section you got Alec Pierce here spoiler alert, you have Matt Ryan in the quarterback section so are you buying this change in the offensive identity because I do think to to bring it back to what I said yesterday with Scott like you know Naheem Hines has talked about previously how difficult it is to try to figure out an identity yeah in the first month of the season with a new damn quarterback every year is this, this is sort of what I thought the Colts would look like with Matt Ryan. And, you know, Alec Pierce, I don't know that he's ever going to surpass Paris Campbell, who, by the way, you know, I know we're not going to talk about Paris Campbell here. Like it's probably best. Man, that guy that, plays a lot. That guy plays he a ran lot. A hundred percent of the dropbacks he was running around uh, yesterday. And that was a ton of dropbacks, right? With Matt Ryan. So, but the way Alec Pierce is used, we talked about Alec Pierce in the, in the preseason, Andy, what did I tell you? Like from a college perspective, how did he win slants? goes and contested catches you know what he's been doing so far really well yeah. in the nfl andy slants goes contested catches he i say this with rookies a lot you know george pickens like knocking people over in the run game he looks <laughs> like georgia george pickens alec pierce looks like cincinnati yeah alec pierce so far in the nfl so even if he never gets the playing time bump that he, you would probably like to see over paris campbell because of the way he's used he can still get home for fantasy if the colts continue to play this way 
Matt Ryan is also doing, and we've talked about this, he's doing the bad quarterback thing where you like lock on to <laughs> certain targets, right? And Alec Pierce has been yeah. one of those guys. Like he's his um, F it, I'm going to chuck it downfield to Alec Pierce option. You know, like we've seen that multiple times this season. I don't know when we're going to get a fully operational Jonathan Taylor again. So I, I kind of think that this is their offensive identity right now. I mean, what? how many pass attempts did Ryan finish with? Was it like 57? He was closing in on 60 there, right? Like I thought it was 58, but I can't remember. Yeah, we're not we're not going to get that every week, but um, we're, we're probably going to get 40, 45, which is which is enough to support, you know, uh, whatever yeah, they try to do 58 with... passes for matt ryan <laughs> yeah i mean that's wild um and and ryan has i mean ryan has looked awful at, at various points this year he was he was absolutely atrocious in the in the thursday game in particular um but they're still letting him chuck it and that is going to be good obviously for Pittman and then also for pierce somebody tweeted at me yesterday that like again based not the athleticism for pierce is so so much higher than mike williams but he could be like a Mike Williams type of player, right? Could Alec Pearson, like, I think Michael Pittman is very much like a Keenan. I've called him like a Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson hybrid. I could see him being that sort of pairing for, you know, the latter version of Philip Rivers career with those two guys. And I think Matt Ryan sort of, there's a lot of connective tissue there because of the two teams, yada, yeah. yada. But like, I could see that being, and then that leaves Paris Campbell to play, you know, the rando that pops up like a DeAndre Carter <laughs> pops up for, for the, the for the damn uh, Chargers every now and again, you know, a Jalen Guyton pops up every now and again for the Chargers. I could see I could see that being, you know, the the, the play style approach. Ninety one point nine percent of snaps in the shotgun for Matt Ryan. That was a change uh, for like what's the point of having Matt Ryan drop back under center, right? It's the same thing we talked about with like a Justin Fields. Like once he hits the top of that drop yeah. back, he's getting sacked. Matthew Stafford, same thing. His top of that drop back, he's getting sacked. Matt Ryan's the same way at this point. He's more of a statue by a thousand degrees than those two guys that we just mentioned yeah. there. So I think, I hope this is a permanent change. Uh, other wide receivers you've got on the waiver list here, Andy, it's mostly like, goofball veterans but uh you might as well tell tell us about yeah it. we mentioned robbie anderson earlier so i won't go into that again um Ch chase claypool's coming off a game i i feel compelled to mention him i mean 90 plus yards and a touchdown it it seems like each week pittsburgh is going to deliver like w there's going to be one guy who has a fantasy week that is worth talking about and this past week it happened to land on claypool it's obviously going to land on Johnson again. It's going to land on Pickens again. I don't know that they're going to be able to support multiple pass catchers. Um, the guy that I'm probably most interested in, and uh, listen, he's got some headwinds coming up because uh, Josh Reynolds is about to face Dallas. That's pretty good defense. At some point, Jamison Williams comes back to this offense. That, that could be a problem for Josh Reynolds. But right now, Jared Goff kind of has radar lock on him. Um, he's seen a ton of targets over his last three games. He's actually... Going into the bye, I think he was like he was like fifth among all receivers in red zone targets, eight or nine on the season. I know he's got six targets inside the 10 yard line, um, which is one of the highest totals in the league, even following his bye. So he's like he's getting very high value targets. He's on the field all the time. And again, Jared Goff has been targeting him constantly. Could it diminish when they get some guys back? Yeah, it could. But I, I think he's leapfrogged DJ Chark at least. So like yeah. whatever your plans were for Chark, um, that you can apply that to to Reynolds. And so I think at least that value will hold. Yeah, I like that call. I do. I agree. I think he's leapfrogged DJ Chark, who's he's whatever DJ Chark, and, and Josh Reynolds <laughs> just always produces with Jared Goff. So love to see yep. that. All right, quarterbacks and tight ends here, Andy. Not a there's no season saver in this group. That's for sure. Although maybe I, maybe one of your tight ends, maybe one of your tight ends, Daniel Bellinger, I think is really interesting. Yeah, there there's some fun tight ends to talk about. There's I don't have much for you at quarterback that is that is really going to fix your no, fantasy yeah. problems. Um, Marcus Mariota was the guy that I actually blurbed in the column. His upcoming schedule is is actually pretty fantastic. So as a guy who can get you through, you know, wh whether you have a need in week seven or a week at almost any point into December, um, let me let me give you the list of games upcoming for Marcus Mariota. It is uh, it starts with Cincinnati, a team that, you know, Andy Dalton and the junior varsity Saints just put up like 26 on <laughs> then Carolina, <laughs> then the Chargers, then Carolina again then Chicago, then Washington, then Pittsburgh. Like there's just not a, there's just not a defense that, that we try to stay away from. Um, it is, it is a super friendly slate of games. He doesn't, 
He doesn't actually pass a whole lot, right? Like in no. a in a in a pass happy week, we're talking like 24, 25 attempts. But he just completed like he just had one of those games where he had uh, he had more touchdown passes than incompletions. He went 13 for 14. The interesting thing about Mariota from a fantasy perspective, of course, is that uh, he, he now has three games with 50 plus rushing yards. Uh, he has three rushing touchdowns on the season. So he was, you know, a, however many years ago when when Mariota came into the league, we thought he was going to be this super exciting dual threat guy. And then he didn't quite run enough. Well, he's. He is. They're definitely running him now. Um, yeah. So we're get, we're getting some fun some fun weeks on the ground from him. So I think he's somebody with a bunch of friendly spots coming up. He's probably going to spike a few times here. He's probably going to have some duds in there as well. Again, I don't I don't mean to say that he's like a permanent answer. Uh, but as we get into some thorny bye weeks, I think he's pretty interesting. Uh, Matt Ryan also out there. We've talked about him enough. Um, Dan- Daniel Jones kind of had a day. Uh, made some really nice throws. <laughs> Really low ceiling guy, but he's got Jacksonville coming up. There's opportunities there. And if they actually fix some things at receiver and they get Wandale Robinson a little bit more involved in actually playing like a significant percentage of the snaps, that is that is perhaps going to help the Giants uh, passing game as well. But I mean, uh, Jones is another guy that we're really we're really kind of counting on the rushing contributions to to boost his fantasy value. Uh, At tight end, Robert Tunyon had a day. Uh, My dog was super excited. Huge Tunyon fan. Uh, you know, double digit receptions in that one, 90, <laughs> 90 yards. And it's such a dreadful receiving core, right? Like, and then, and then they lost, you know, we'd, we'd already been joking about how like all those targets a week ago to Randall Cobb, that was kind of a, a cry for help. And then Randall Cobb goes down. Um, so they're going to, they're going to have to feed Robert Tunyon. There's just not that many guys that, that Rogers has like deep, substantial rapport with, uh, and Tunyon is one of them. So I, I think he's going to be, uh, I, I think he's a guy who can probably finish out this season as a top 10 fantasy tight end, which is not asking a whole lot within the context of this year. You mentioned Daniel Bellinger. They, they're keeping him involved. There's another touchdown for him. Caught all of his targets this past week. Pretty interesting player who they seem to really, really like when they get inside the 10. So there's probably a bunch more touchdowns there. He's a he's an interesting upside player. Mike Gesicki, just had what will undoubtedly be his best game of the year. I got, like I got to I got to mention him cuz he scored two touchdowns. He is of course uh well well, you know, he's nowhere near uh Tyreek and Jalen Waddle in terms of the receiving hierarchy there, but he is surely going to uh have a few more games where he where he finds the end zone. And then I always I I was like to throw in Evan Ingram who I think is uh I don't know. I just have a weakness for Evan Ingram. There's, he's got a revenge game coming up against uh, his former employer. There we the go. <laughs> yeah, if you like to play that card, it is definitely in play this week. I, I like Daniel Bellinger a lot. That was the one that stood out to me. You know, he's got three end zone targets the last two weeks, 81.3% routes per drop back last week. Um, you know, just trending in the right direction. I, I love the Giants offense is really fun, uh, man. Like Brian Dable and Mike Kafka are just yeah. kind of willing to throw anything against the wall. I and I think Wandell Robinson's a big part of that too cuz he's like going to be a gadgety um kind of sort of create a touch player uh, that they clearly like when you watch the you know it's kind of tough to understand the Wandell Robinson pick cuz he went so high ahead of other guys that I think will probably play real receiver a bit more than Wandell I, I will Robinson. say that it matches his production. Like if you believe yeah. that that production was legit, I mean shoot, 100 catches, 1400 scrimmage yards, like it was great. For sure. And I, I think it was just tough to envision him in like a re, like a real slot receiver type of way. But the, then you watch the Giants offense so far and some of the stuff they've done with these, you know, just NFL bottom feeder receivers. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I get it. You know, I, I get what they see there with with Wondell Robinson. We're going to transition to drops and, and you're going to talk about a guy, Isaiah McKenzie here, like. Wandale Robinson is like the good version of Isaiah McKenzie. And obviously there was connective tissue there with, um, with, with Brian Dable coming from Buffalo, but yeah, let's move on to our drops here and let's hit on, uh, Isaiah McKenzie. Who's your nomination here? Yeah. There, there's just no way that I'd hold him going into a bye week Number one, that was yeah. already kind of sketchy. And then he, he just played such a terrible game. Um, I know he, he, he was horrible. Um, <laughs> had a couple balls that he should have come up with. Um, just an absolutely, absolutely miserable game fell down in the end zone on a target. Like, I don't know how they don't go to Khalil Shakir after that. And I didn't yeah, me too. like I didn't think that Shakir's game was perfect a couple weeks ago, but he did find the end zone. Um, why are we why are we spending end zone targets on Isaiah McKenzie if uh, he loses his footing like that? And he can't like if you can't can't bring those in, you, you probably shouldn't play. It's tough because Shakir's I was, a real receiver. Shakir's a real receiver. Yes. McKenzie is not, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. McKenzie, like a kick returner of a receiver who made an interesting transition and has had some really nice moments and some really nice games. But in the uh, the biggest game on their schedule so far, um, he was really a no show. And so I think Shakir certainly deserves uh, a longer look. I also I also put uh, almost any Jets receiver into this mix, too. And like, yeah, r- really, really fun game for the Jets. Like you want to talk about yeah. a, a team that runs some fun stuff like they they run some fun plays. Uh, Zach Wilson was just uh, they 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 won in spite of their quarterback this past week. Who Zach Wilson's still so hard for me because he had some moments where like he escaped a rush in a in a really uh, kind of fun way, and you were like, oh, that was really well done, Zach Wilson. Now now let's let's throw it out of bounds and get out of here. And then he would chuck it into coverage and like r- risk everything for a really low probability play. Like he's just a really rough watch. Um, it's been it's been bad with even Garrett Wilson. Um, Elijah yeah. Moore is is tweeting about his own frustrations. Elijah Moore tweeting about was it was it on Twitter or Instagram? I don't know, but I saw the I saw the it comments. was Twitter. Yeah, believe, that, yeah, that were basically I'm not going to complain because we're winning, um, but just know that you know basically if we weren't winning, yeah, you would oh, hear yeah, from me. A hundred, yeah, a hundred percent. It was like a I'm I'm not saying I'm just saying type of thing from, from <laughs> yeah. Elijah Moore who had zero targets last week. I yeah. I put Romeo Dobbs as a drop with kind of a question mark because you know I, I think like with Mike or with Randall Cobb gonna miss some time. I'm not a hundred percent sure if I believe that, but also like not not much in the Packers offense behind Lazard really working at this point in the receiving game. I really wanted to piggyback your point on Jets receivers here because I love these Jets receivers. I love Garrett Garrett Wilson. Elijah Moore is one of my guys, but they're winning with a defense and running game first identity. And like Zach Wilson, just kind of along for the ride, which isn't the worst thing in the world for Zach Wilson's development, but like it is what it is right now. If something changes in four weeks and like, Oh, now they're passing the ball and it's looking good. And like, Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson are involved. Sure, go pick them back up. You can't afford to do that with all of these guys that you've mentioned on buys. Yeah, you like you certainly can't play them right now, right? And I'm no. pretty pretty much anybody that you can't play and isn't even I don't know. Maybe Garrett Wilson can be a trade sweetener, but he's not like the centerpiece ah, yeah. of a fantasy trade. And guys that you can't play and can't deal, like they're all drops. Yeah, a hundred percent. All right, let's move to hold on loosely. We've got two Harmon guys here. You've got Curtis Samuel, and I'm. I gave the state of the Allen Robinson union address uh, last night with Scott. Scott kindly let me go on and on and on about it. I think Robinson, who I know every fantasy analyst other than me told you it was okay to drop. Uh, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm a firmly compromised source on this one, like not a reliable <laughs> narrator at all with the Allen Robinson thing. But I'm going to go ahead and keep him on the like, you should hold on to Allen Robinson through the bye week. If he's on your waiver wire, I would think about picking him up. But, you know, I'm, I'm I think look, I think he looked really good last week. I think he's it's been overstated how bad he's looked as an individual the last you know th- to start the season. So I think I think you hold on to Allen Robinson. Andy, you think the people should hold on to Curtis Samuel? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm enough of a believer in Allen Robinson that I would I think I'd hold on to him if I invested in him. Um, still, obviously, a good football player. The the volume isn't necessarily there, but but I don't know, maybe he was, you know, I think it was Robinson that that uh, that that blocked um that threw some uh, threw a great block on that Skarana oh, yeah, uh, yep. touchdown like just a good football player is not going to come off the field um i yeah i listed curtis samuel here and such a transitional moment for for the washington offense i don't know exactly what it's going to look like with heineke obviously samuel wasn't really part of what they did last year i want to say that curtis samuel like leads has led that has he led that team in targets like in every every week? single week yep I mean, it's hard to go away from that. Um, I'm holding on and I like not even in my wildest fever dream, Andy, not even in my wildest fever dream. (laughs) I have a a fair amount of Curtis Samuel because I was I was I really reacted to uh, the the performances in the first couple weeks of the season. And so I'm still scarred by the Thursday nighter. I mean, if you're in the NFL and a pass hits you in both hands, you've got to come down with it. <laughs> a, I, know. I mean, he had a touchdown that he, that it's the classic play that I don't think gets called a drop, right? He had to leave his feet, but it was definitely one that you expect a good receiver to, to bring in. And then he definitely had a drop that hit him yeah, in the jersey. Yeah, there was a definite drop, yeah. Yeah, there was a clear uh, uh, drop minutes after the, the touchdown that he should have come up with. So it was a really rough spot for him, really rough game. 
he's still seeing a ton of targets and every time he's on the field, he's, uh, he, he's basically involved. So I, I would just wait and see how this Heineke thing works. Um, but he is the kind of player that I, I totally understand if you're just mad, you're just mad that you didn't get that touchdown and you want to cut him, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it just yet. No, I wouldn't either. And I, look like part of Curtis Sam, not part of all of Curtis Samuel's value this year has been as like, a design touches layup throw yeah. guy Heineke's going to take those plays even more than Wentz like I'm sure they're right hammering into Carson like you need to take these layup throws Heineke will actually just do it because that's about all he can do uh so I think that could be good news for Curtis Samuel getting in early guys Andy surprisingly uh, or not surprisingly we have a bunch of rookies I've got Pacheco uh, you Greg Dulcich who plays tonight for me um who probably doesn't qualify anymore because I think he is as we're recording this, we're finding out he is going to play uh, here in week six, it sounds like. But still, I mean, so much of that Denver offense has, for whatever reason, been like, how can we get our dusty tight ends, like deep <laughs> passes up the seam? Greg Dulcich is the guy they actually want doing that. Clearly not Albert Zero, as Dalton Del Don has been calling him. So <laughs> I think Dulcich makes sense. You've got Jamison Williams and, and always forever Rashad White in this segment. Yeah, I just always like to remind people that Rashad White is still playing. And if anything were to happen to Leonard Fournette, he's in a great spot. Um, and I don't think anybody fight. We're still not at a point where people are fighting you over Rashad White in in the waiver chase. Williams Williams is a guy that you can still stick in IR, right? Like, I don't know yeah. when he comes back. I don't have any updated information on Jamison Williams. I just know that he was uh, as talented as any receiver in his draft class. Um, a total burner and is going to be really fun when he's when he's fully operational for the Lions. I don't know when that's going to be, but if you play with an IR spot, you've got one open right now. There's just no reason not to have Williams in it. He's one of those guys who, you know, maybe it doesn't happen for him this year at all. That wouldn't be crazy. It wouldn't even be all that disappointing um, given the the timing of the injury. But he is a guy with a with an opportunity to pop in uh, in December. And we've certainly seen that from Lions wide receivers before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really like that call. Just one thing, too, before we move to the 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 Treviso Babes segment. Uh, it's so funny how fantasy works, man. Like, I, I know this is our job to talk about it and be really accurate and forecast and all that. It's like, I'm thinking about just this morning, like Ken Walker. If you drafted Ken Walker, some people probably dropped him because he got hurt, right? And like, yeah. that's why he picked him up. There's a scenario where Rashad Penny just never gets hurt. And then Ken Walker is a guy that like, three weeks from now people are like hey when can i drop ken walker like he's doing nothing and blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> now he's like gonna, people that have ken walker are going to moonwalk to their fantasy title like isaiah yeah. pacheco rashad white same thing like maybe nothing ever happens but that's just how like the one guarantee in the nfl is chaos like that's it yep. that's a that's you can i can sit here and tell you to trust talent at receiver and people can come back and say like that worked for Devonte smith it's not working for elijah Moore, right the one guarantee the one thing is chaos so try to try try to benefit and set yourself up to, to to benefit from chaos as much as possible holding these backup running backs even if it's never amounts to anything it could amount to something and that does matter all right andy can you guess who got dropped in my mom's league this week um i'll give you a hint before we recap the biggest news in the treviso babes league Starting running back for a great team got dropped and another running back who just got a big opportunity handed to him prior to this week was dropped. Can you guess these two players? Oh, my gosh. Uh, running back who got a big opportunity handed to him. Um, it, it can't be. I mean, it can't be Ken Walker, right? No. Not um, Ken Walker. Let's see. Let's see if I can get either one of these. Was Devin Singletary dropped? Was he the starting running back for a great team? No, that's that's a good guess, but no. Uh, was it? It wasn't Miles Sanders. No, no, no. And by see, the way, I now can't... you're down. To, there's two. There's only one more great team left in the NFL. <laughs> I know. We're, we're quickly running out of great teams. Was it? Was it Ceh? It was Ceh. Yeah, Ceh was dropped. I have no idea why, but Ceh was dropped. Uh, it, like so, someone must have read the sell high, like all those sell high arguments about Clyde Edwards Lawyer. Like ah, sell high it, means drop, drop, right? <laughs> yeah, just get his ass out of here as fast as possible. <laughs> That's amazing. That's incredible. And then the other, the other guy uh, just got a big opportunity was Daryl Henderson. So I guess oh shoot, sure. some, someone in this league read the news on Cam Makers and was like, ah, you know what? 
character issues all throughout that backfield. Maybe uh, <laughs> maybe they're trying to get rid of Cam Akers. Daryl Anderson is next. I'll go ahead and get it. So I have no idea what happened there. Cam Akers also dropped as well. But the big news, and I, I didn't even save this for the podcast uh, for, for people out there. I had to text Andy immediately as soon as I, I saw this in my mom's league. <laughs> Somebody added Antonio Brown. It's just what? amazing. I mean... He's not even on a team. It's it's not like he most... hasn't been in the news. He has been in the news, and it he has not been connected to an NFL team. It is a wild ad. In the state of Florida, too, uh, where where all these ladies live, um, you know, I I mean that is that one's for that one is for the record books. The Antonio Brown ad, not even like I don't even think there was a corresponding move with adding Antonio Brown. It was just just somebody... had a spot. We'll take a shot. Yeah, and, and and like I said to you, you mean you made the point. I was like, hey, maybe somebody ran into Antonio Brown in in this league, and like, oh, they had to, you know, maybe they got some usual, they, they got some good intel. Well, you know, no, normally, as you said, running into Antonio Brown in public is never goes well for anybody. <laughs> yeah, um, that would be an unusually actually, positive interaction with Antonio Brown for sure. Yeah, Tam, Tammy's top notch team was the one to add him, <laughs> and she was one and four heading into this week. So clearly, they're just she's just compromising um, values and character and moral standing to try to <laughs> to try to claw her way out of eleventh place. So uh, and she got a win this week over Julie's astounding team. So shout out to her; it worked. I mean, we got to get Tammy on the pod. We got to talk to Tammy about this. Tammy, I, I don't, I don't know Tammy. I'm a familiar with a few of these ladies in this league. Um, you know, my mom has moved down to Florida in the last, like, you know, the last year and a half. Like, it's like she's meeting, like she's meeting all new friends. Like she's gone off. It's the reverse of like when she sent me off to college. It's like I've sent her off to college. And <laughs> who are all my sister and I? Like, who is? Who is Leslie? Who is it? Like, who is that? So, I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know Tammy, but clearly, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, uh, I gotta get her on the pod. We gotta figure out her her deal there. But Andy, that was a packed show. A lot of stuff to talk about, despite the dusty waiver wire this week. Can't thank you enough for joining me and uh, getting all through it, man. I mean, like I said, a lot of stuff to talk about. I I promise the people that the names are going to be better next week. They can't be worse. Well, let's hope. Uh, you know, I, I said it can't be worse than Sam Darnold for DJ Moore, and I was wrong about that. It can always be worse, Andy. Don't you forget that. That is going to do it for us. You can follow Andy on Twitter, at Andy Barons if you don't already. If you don't, what are you doing with your life? You can follow me on Twitter, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, make yourself a better fantasy player and improve your life, your mental well-being, by following at Yahoo Fantasy. You won't regret it. I will promise that. Austin Eckler will be back tomorrow after playing against the Denver Broncos tonight, and we'll talk about it all on a very new episode of Eckler's Edge. Until then, we're out.